What's up, guys? What is News Podcast? My name is Salman Ali at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Kaylee Griffin of ATT Sportsnet, making her debut to the Red Nation News Podcast. Kaylee, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. We are out in LA. It's a little chilly. It's like the perfect temperature today, mid 60s. So just enjoying some time after practice out here. But it's a it's a busy road trip and the Rockets have an opportunity now to bounce back after that first Lakers loss. Are you going to spend all nine days on the road there? Yes, we will be all nine days. So we are um, LA for another night. And then we fly out to Phoenix right after the game. And so after that, it seems like every other day we're, we're leaving. So pretty busy. Yeah. For what it's worth, those are all really good cities to visit. Um, so first of all, I'm a big fan of your work, not only on the broadcast side of things, but in these scrum interview environments. You're one of those people where like, I'll have a question that I want to ask. And oftentimes you'll ask it before I can. So immediately I'm like, crap, I have to go to my backup <laughs> question, uh, particularly if I'm on the Zoom and I already have my hand raised and I can't just put it down. Um, there's a couple people people like that, but you're definitely one of them. But you've been here for a few years now. I guess my first question is like, how'd you end up in Houston? I know you worked on the Cavs broadcast before this. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you also worked uh, for the Spurs. But like, what drew you to the Houston market? What about this gig was so attractive to you? Yeah, so you're exactly right. Um, when I graduated college, I actually worked for the Big East Conference for two years. So I covered all of their athletics um, from all 10 of those schools at the time. Now they have UConn back in, but um, it was 10 schools at the time. So I got to cover uh, uh, primarily men's basketball, but I was doing all those sports. And then after two years, I joined the Spurs for, for two years as a digital reporter. Um, and that was a really awesome time. I was there when they made the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. It was like Kawhi Leonard years, Manu Ginobili's final season, Tony Parker. So I, I enjoyed that my time there. Um, really learned a lot about the league and, and adjusting to it. And unfortunately, after two years there, my position was cut. They were just uh, didn't feel like they needed a digital reporter anymore. So I had moved back home to Connecticut and was freelancing in New York a bunch, picking up things here and there. I had done some auditions and just nothing was really coming together for me. And um, right towards the end, when I thought I was going to have to really rely on freelancing for the year, the Cavs job opened and I ultimately didn't get the sideline job, but I, they hired me as like a hybrid mix of a digital and pregame reporter and stuff like that. So I was kind of thrown in a, a lot of directions while I was there. And that was the year after LeBron left to go back to LA. So it was in the process of them rebuilding. So I, I got to see a lot of that. And, and it was cool for me to see a different perspective after coming from San Antonio and um, going into my second season in Cleveland, the Rockets job opened and ultimately a dream job of mine was to be on the broadcast side solely for an NBA team. And so it was something that I couldn't pass up when the opportunity came about. And obviously when I was coming here, um, the Houston Rockets were top of the league prime time. It was a right. super exciting time in the, in the, for the organization. So it was an opportunity that I could not pass up uh, when I had the chance to audition. So I, I was very fortunate to to get the job. And I've been here. It's my third season. Obviously, a lot has changed. But um, it's still the roots of this organization remain the same. And, and their goals are the same. And they do a really good job of bringing in a lot of really good people. And I think we're seeing that with the team that they've constructed so far. 
Yeah, there has been a lot of change, but you're right in that a lot of the change is with a lot of the same people just being promoted. Um, by the way, last night was my first time actually watching a full AT&T broadcast this season from like start to finish, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, Obviously, Craig is great, but I actually thought Ryan Hollins was pretty solid too. I know there was a lot of skepticism from the fan base when he got the job, being that he, ha- he doesn't really have any Houston roots, but in the game that I saw, he did a pretty good job. And then obviously, I think you've been very good on the broadcast these past couple seasons. It's only been one game for me, obviously, because I was working a lot of these games in person, so I couldn't actually watch. But I'm a right. fa- I'm a fan of the she reshuffled broadcast broadcast. I think it aligns nicely with Houston's rebuild as a whole. It's actually kind of funny how those things kind of you know happened at the same time, like the rebuild and the reshuffled broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, of course, Bill Worrell went out um, and retired and we love Bill. Um, but he he just got to the point where he was done. And that's, of course, understandable. Almost 40 years calling games. It's a very long time. And so Craig was obviously the easy person to move right over. He's been around this organization for many, many years and calling the road games for the last five, I, I believe. So Craig knows this organization in and out. And then when they started to look for an analyst, um, I was not part of that process at all, but was kind of kept in the loop of who they were bringing in. And Ryan was someone that people were excited about that when he did his audition. And I think he brings that excitement. You can, he genuinely is very passionate about the NBA and wanting to call games. And this, he understands the opportunity that he has. And there's a realization that we all know that this is kind of a, a new phase of Rockets basketball and there's it's going to take time before everything comes together but he's been around the league and around so many players and organizations that there's an understanding of how this all works and I think he really brings that to the broadcast and he's he's excited about it and I, and I we really enjoy his enthusiasm and of course it's it's still so young in the season so the chemistry between him and Craig is just going to continue to grow there was an amazing live shot of like Craig standing right next to Ryan Hollins <laughs> during the broadcast. And like Ryan is like three feet taller than Craig. At least it looked like that on the broadcast. It was hilarious. But yeah, um, it, it, it is a really, really fun crew. And uh, by the way, Craig's Halloween take last night was awful. Like I was, with, <laughs> I was with him on the candy corn. Eight. Like candy corn is disgusting. But the whole anti-Halloween stance is such a curmudgeon take. It's anti-fun. I, I'm against that. I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year everybody loves candy but it's more so the costumes the haunted houses the trick-or-treating from the kids like it's better than columbus day i'll tell you that like i don't even know why we do columbus day like but thumbs down on that take from craig yeah i i will say i love the candy part i love the theatrics that go around it i'm torn on the costume thing i will say like i love that the guy the rookies had to wear the mask and they came in and lp <laughs> did such a good job with this costume killed it i can appreciate that but from a normal person's standpoint, this is where I struggle. And I was having a conversation with some of our production crew yesterday. When do costumes start? Now, I, I stop. I think like you go through college, costumes are good. I'll give you a year or two after college. And then I feel like you kind of die down unless you have kids. So there's a that's where I'm at. Like I would I would not dress up now as a 29 year old. That's where I'm at. But I, I'm not against costumes. I just it's not for me. I think the move is if you're somewhat involved in the Halloween process, like if you're going to a party, if you have kids, if you're if you're somewhat still celebrating the holiday in some way, then you have the excuse to still dress up. Right. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, I agree. Like, but I think if you do own a residence where you can give out candy, 
I do I, I do think it's mandatory that you give out candy because these oh, poor yes. kids are, are walking around house to house. Uh, oftentimes, nobody picks up the door and like you just got to at least give one candy bar out like you have to. I completely agree with you there. Right. No question. By the way, there's this urban legend that like Tracy McGrady like 10 years ago was like really like great at giving out stuff. Like I remember people used to talk about him giving out like MP3 players or something back in the day. Oh I my gosh. Yeah, I, I don't remember what it was, but I, I do remember people always used to talk about Tracy McGrady's house as like the spot to go to on Halloween. Like he used to always, I guess, go out. I, I don't know if that's still the case, but yeah, that that is interesting that, you know, if you have the money, just go all out. If I'm completely for that. Um, yeah, I just want to get that off my chest. Craig, you, you have to get in the spirit of this kind of stuff. So we're keeping the show pretty simple today. I want to come up with like five or so early season observations, good or bad. Um, and I guess I'll start with this. Eric Gordon looks really freaking good. Like it's at the point where if he's not the best player on the roster, he's second. Like per 36 minutes, he's averaging almost 20 points per game on 67% true shooting. Like he's one of the few players on the team that's actually a positive net rating right now. He's getting to the basket. He's making his threes again, which is a problem last year. Um, I think partly because of the injuries. And he looks like he's in, in fantastic shape this year. He's someone where I watch him every night. And like, I empathize with like some of the frustration he was expressing last night. Like he was talking about, yeah. like he, you know, was getting kind of frustrated with the growing pains and all that stuff. And the Rockets have done a lot of winning the past five years with him on the team. And he didn't sign, he didn't exactly sign up for this specific version of the team. Um, but he's played really well. Like he, uh, he has shown up this season and, I, I think it's pretty impressive. I think he's going to have a lot of suitors for him if the Rockets do decide to move him at the trade deadline. What are your thoughts on Gordon? And like following that, like what's your first takeaway for this team? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, Coach Silas too has said that they know that Eric Gordon is their best player right now. He is the most experienced. He's seen the most. He understands things that are happening in the game. And that's where this team is struggling the most is they just haven't experienced a lot on an NBA court in an NBA game. And Eric has pretty much seen it all. So he knows what's coming and it's hard for him to relay those messages to all of his teammates all the time. Um, Eric is so important to what they're doing right now. And especially with a young team, as young as the Rockets, you need to have good veterans around and having Eric come off the bench has been so important for them. Uh, he is not the most vocal leader, but he clearly leads by example. And he's done it in almost every single game since this season has started. I completely agree in, in terms of empathizing towards some of those emotions that he felt after yesterday's game. I mean, the, the 27 turnovers, 14 missed free throws, those are, are things that this team can clean up. And what he has said, kind of relay that last night in, in a couple days ago as well, is that this team certainly plays hard enough. They just aren't playing smart enough right now. And I think that comes with experience as well. And it's a mix of, of that and also him understanding. And he, he acknowledged this at the end yesterday as well, that when he was 19, he was at Indiana and, <laughs> and making probably mistakes as well. And now these 19-year-olds are looking across the floor and seeing LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook staring back at them. And there's a little bit of a shell shock at, 
at first just being there and seeing that and then trying to figure out a way to counter what they're doing. So um, Eric is, is super important. And I think regardless of what happens, he's going to be an asset to whatever team he's on. Although I, I do hope it is still with the Houston Rockets because he's, he's seen a lot here. He understands this organization and I can see him being a a really important piece for them moving forward. Um, I think for me, what jumps out for better or for worse is kind of what Eric has alluded to is that this team just is turning the ball over too much to start. It's been a problem through most of these games and it's a lot of silly mistakes, a lot of silly passes. It's, it's rushing things. It's getting a little out of control when they're taking it down the court. Um, And it's things that they can clean up and they're very capable of doing. So I'm interested to see as the season progresses and hopefully over the next couple of weeks, how things get better in that area. Um, And then free throw shooting is of course, something that we've, we pointed to before uh, something that not only Christian Wood has struggled with, but this team has struggled with as a whole. And you could hear coach Silas frustrated with that, area because the team lost by 10 and they missed 14 free throws. So that's an area that if they can get better at, which seems like a a pretty simple fix in terms of how to do that, it's going to put them in a a much better position in these late game situations. Yeah, the Christian Wood thing is is, is weird because he is a fantastic shooter elsewise. It's just the free throw shooting is weird. But you know, it's, this is pretty normal. Like the reason young players struggle when they get to the NBA is because of these three areas, like turnovers, shooting efficiency, and defense. And surprisingly, defensively, they've actually been not bad. They're 14th in the NBA right now, which is much better than I thought they'd be. And now we're six games of the season. The sample size is pretty small. So who knows how long they'll stick, but they do deserve credit for fighting every night and being better than expected. And and you're right, like turnover wise, they're second to last in turnover percentage in the NBA. And they're allowing the most points off turner turnovers as well. They're just hemorrhaging points in that area. And I've talked mm-hmm. about this on the podcast before. Like Kevin Porter Jr. was probably my most intriguing storyline going into the season for Houston. Like this is an area where he really has to get better if he wants to get offered like an extension this summer. Uh, to be clear, he's not the only person turning it over. Like there's a lot of people yeah. turning the ball over. But he's at 5.3 per game right now. Uh, and he's the point guard, and he's got to make better decisions and tighten that handle up a little bit. But surprisingly, other than that Utah game, you kind of touched on it. Houston stayed competitive in all these losses. Like, if there's an area where Houston can take a step up and kind of, you know, get even more competitive, it's actually it's the turnovers. I would I would agree. Yeah, the I, and like you said, you don't want to put it all on Kevin because he is still kind of learning the point guard position again since he played it in high school and now is being thrust into that role in the NBA, which is a completely different beast. So he's still learning how to be a point guard and learning his teammates. But there is, uh, this is, it goes throughout the whole team. And and I do want to touch on the defense. Coach Silas has harped on defense since the beginning of the season. And when I tell you they work on defense every single day at practice, they drive that into their minds. So it is really good to see that that is translating into games because it shows that they're able to pick up on things and they're they're learning the system and learning how coach wants to play and how they want to attack the opposing offenses from a defensive standpoint. And, and that's a, a good start for this team because offense is easier to create when you have a group full of potential scores and creators. It's the defensive side that takes a little more time and more work. And I think that's why this team has really harped on that to begin the season is to make sure that they, 
they have those rotations down. They know where to be. So then they can continue to, to add things here and there, depending on game situations and who they're matching up with. Uh, but certainly a good sign that the team is picking things up on the defensive end so quickly. Yeah, and you know it was it was brought up to me that before the season that they actually do have a lot more positive defenders than you would think, right? Like Daniel Tice, a good defender. Eric Gordon's a good one-on-one defender. Jay Sean Tate, obviously, very good defender. Um, Daniel House can defend at times. Like they, David Nwaba, obviously, like they have a lot of pretty good defenders. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised that they're playing this well so far. Um, so next takeaway, I said Eric Gordon clearly looks like one of the two best players on the team. The other person is actually Christian Wood. Like he's really coming into his own as an offensive player. It reminds me a little bit of like John Collins in Atlanta in that he's probably better suited to play center, he, but he, but he's such a good suitor that he could make shooter that he can make it work as a power forward. And he seems willing to make it work at, at, at power forward. Like I think the, the flit with Danny, Daniel Tice at center is a little clunky, but I think him being a floor spacer in those lineups does end up working out pretty decently. When Alperin Shangun's on the floor, he immediately becomes the best cutter on the floor to get those easy layups and dunks. And that's the biggest thing with him. Like He doesn't seem to be frustrated with the losing. He's taken on a leadership role with the team. Uh, he blamed last night's loss on himself, and I still think he has room to grow defensively. But overall, I'm impressed with how he's handled himself this season because he's in a tough spot, and he's not really complaining about it. He's making yeah, it work. Yeah, I... I totally agree. I mean, when he signed with the Rockets, he was joining a team that looked a lot different. And now he is kind of the guy. He is taking on that leadership role. He's 26. And this is only the first time in his NBA career that he's been on the same team for two years in a row, which does play a huge role in how you grow with an organization is being there and understanding what the coach wants from you and how this system works and how you fit into it. And so for him, it's been a huge benefit because he understands how Coach Silas wants to use him and how he can benefit from the system and how he can help his teammates as well. And so I think that plays a huge role into why we're seeing so much success from him early on. Obviously, he has a chip on his shoulder that he hasn't shied away from, and he wants to get to be a max player at some point in his career. And that's his goal. And he's trying to to show that he's deserving of that. Um, his game is expanding. I think his offensive versatility is obviously one that you touched on and jumps out is he can spread the floor really well. His shot looks really good again this season. He's cutting down the lane really well. It, of course, when it comes to more back to the basket, that's not his strong suit, but he can be in the paint and he can protect the rim on the defensive end. He also can be there to clean up the boards and get some offensive rebounds as well. So there's a lot of versatility to what he does. And defensively, that's where he's still working on a little bit more. He's getting better, uh, understanding that there's going to be switches and he's going to be out there um, on the three-point line, but he's getting better at that as well. So he's, he's probably the guy on this team right now and someone that they're going to want to build around in terms of knowing what his role is and that he has to be a leader. And I think we're seeing it come together. And I think the more the team plays together, the more we're going to see it grow even more with Kevin Porter, with Jalen, and especially with LP, which we've seen many flashes of it right. so far. It's really, really fun to watch those two. And I think it's going to continue to get even better. So uh, it, it really surprised me how intelligent of a cutter Christian Wood was. And I you didn't really see it until he started playing with Alper and Shingun, which brings me to my next takeaway. Um, and I got to calm myself down a little bit when I talk about him. <laughs> so 
I was super high on Shengun going into the draft. I had him seventh on my board, and he's been even better than I thought he would be going into the season. Like as an interior scorer, as a passer, and even as a defender, which was a worry for him going into the NBA, he's been awesome. And we'll talk a little bit more about him when we get to the hot takes because I want to take it one step further over there. But he's been everything the Rockets thought they were getting at 16 and better. What have you thought about Shengun so far? I've been really, really impressed with LP. Um, I know I didn't know that much about him when he was first drafted, so I was really curious. And Craig was actually the one that told me how high on so many boards he was. So I was really interested to watch his highlights and see him in person. And he has really impressed, starting at Summer League and then through training camp and now here at the NBA level. You, you're, There's always some questions, especially when someone's so young, but when they're coming from a different league where, where we don't know a ton about. And then I always think of Luka Doncic and how he didn't go number one. And it's still such a travesty because he was so good over there. So then I was like, all right, this guy's probably pretty good. He's the MVP of the Turkish league at 19 years old, like or 18 at the time. He has got to be super impressive. And he really has been where he lacks is obviously his natural athleticism, but his, court vision and his skill is so incredible and just thinking about I so much have to remind myself that they are 19 years old like thinking about what I was doing at 19 they are NBA they are now NBA players trying to carry themselves as professionals and and the way that they've done that has been so impressive early on and I think LP is going to just continue to flourish and grow and i i'm excited to see how they continue to use him with this mostly the starting unit with christian wood with the with kevin porter with with jalen green how these young players all grow together is going to be really really exciting yeah and as a side note like i think he's starting to pick up english pretty well and you can tell when we're like interviewing him and we're asking questions he can actually understand the question but he waits for the translation out of courtesy from his translator and oftentimes the translator will say something back in english and he'll like correct him like you'll add on something no 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 no. like also say this and and it's Yeah. yeah and like you're starting to see like i i wouldn't like i'm not gonna say he's gonna go full without a translator by the end of the season but I wouldn't be surprised if that comes sooner rather than later. For sure. You can tell. And when I watch him um, at practice, he's he's picking up on things. And they he doesn't rely so much on his translator anymore. And I, I think, obviously, basketball has a little bit of a universal language when it comes to understanding the game. So there's things he's learning quickly because of basketball. But it is interesting to see when you're asking him a question, he really does seem to be pr- picking up words and processing it. And that's, that's awesome because I can only imagine what it's like for him to move to an entirely new country and be starting this job and also trying to learn a new language. I I just, I can't even wrap my head around what he's gone through, but he's handled it so, so well. I believe his first night in the country was New York City for draft night, which is nuts. That that is insane. Like what an experience. Um, I know. So can we talk about Jalen Green really quick? Of course. So I've had two friends text me in the past couple weeks panicking about Jalen Green's early season performances uh, in relation to these other rookies because these other rookies are playing really, really well. And listen, like I, I was an Evan Mobley guy. I thought he was the, the clear number two guy on the board. And I was very open about that on this podcast. But there's a reason I'm not doing victory laps on that right now. Uh, number one, nothing I've seen so far has dissuaded me from thinking that Jalen Green's going to be 
an absolute star at this league. I, I've watched enough of his game and I've seen enough flashes in the early season to tell me that he's going like he's a special kind of explosive sport like force. And I've actually been encouraged by his playmaking. Like he he's passing the ball better as a rookie than I thought he would have. I thought that was going to be a real struggle for him. And he's trying defensively. He's obviously not there yet, but he he's giving that effort. Um, and he's starting to get to the free throw line these past couple games. Like like guys, if you're panicking right now, you just have to be patient. Like if you look at the other players in Green's mold, like you know that the explosive scoring shooting guard type. Like it's not uncommon for them to struggle with shooting efficiency in their rookie seasons. Like Zach Levine's like the perfect example of this, right? Because that was the best comp I saw of Jalen Green during the draft process. Like hell, even last year with Anthony Edwards, he struggled during the first half of last season before exploding in the second half. Like, I think Green is going to be fine. I think people panicking about him right now just need to calm down. Like, what have you thought about Green early on? Like, have you seen those explosive flashes that I'm talking about? Like, those quick drive and dunks to the basket and that crossover he had in transition the other day? Oh, I mean, without a doubt. And I think especially in these last two games in particular is, is he's still learning the NBA game. He's learning the speed. He's learning how to adjust to the physicality. He's been very open in talking about that. It's a totally different game than playing in high school. And, and even in the G League, it's just a different speed and a different physicality. And he's adjusting. He it, It's all new to him. And also people, it's November 1st. Like we have to pump the brakes. We are just starting the season. Jalen Green is going to be just fine. Did we not all watch him go eight for 10 from three the other night? Of course, it's not going to happen every single night, but you can't really expect anyone besides maybe Steph Curry to put up those kind of numbers consistently. He already did that in his third game as a, an NBA rookie. So he has so much potential. He, his three is going to become more consistent as the season goes on, but he's figuring out and it only took him what six games to realize how he can also impact the game by taking it inside and and using his first step to get to the basket and get fouled and get to the free throw line he's picking things up very quickly so there is no need to panic he is doing just fine he is going to be very very good in this league it's just a few games into the season. Everyone needs to take a deep breath because Jalen Green is really just trying to figure it all out now. And we have seen flashes of what he can be. And that's a good sign. As long as he keeps putting it together and continuing to learn, it's all going to come together for him. And like mechanically, there's nothing wrong with his jump shot. It looks perfectly fluid and good and good. And like, I just think he, like it's it's just a matter of making them, and that that will come. That'll come with time and reps and repetition and all that stuff. And I've been encouraged by his confidence that he's kept on shooting. Like he's not he's not backing down. Like when he wasn't getting the free throw line, he kept on driving to the basket. Like I remember. Um, Last night in Los Angeles, there was a take at the beginning of the game where he drove to the basket and uh, like Car- Carmelo Anthony contested him. It looked like it could have been a foul, but he, he didn't get the call. And he kept he came back down the court again and got the call the next play and like that's the, that's the kind of stuff you like to see from rookies like that like if you're not getting the call continue to drive if the shot's not going in continue to shoot it that has not been a problem for him and I think that's encouraging. Totally, uh, and there's a confidence that he has that Coach Silas has alluded to that he lets bad games just slide right off his back, and that's super important for a young rookie who 
he's carrying some sort of pressure, understanding that he is the number two pick in the draft and people do have expectations for him, but he's super confident in himself and understands that it is going to be a process and not everything happens overnight. And I think fans need to realize that as well is that not every player that gets drafted top five in the draft just immediately has their game translate seamlessly to the NBA. It's more often than not, it does not happen that way. So just give him some time to figure it out. And, and I think we're already seeing him start to do that. But it's a process. Like, this is his first long road trip of the season. He's probably adjusting to, okay, when do I go to sleep? How am I taking care of my body? Like, there's so many little things that he has to learn for the first time that he is just starting to do right now. Yeah, and he has annoyingly chosen to take his ice bats right after the game, right before media. So <laughs> so now we have to wait on that. But yeah, you're right. He is getting all that stuff down. Um, so now on to the fun part of the podcast. So I asked you to prepare a take for the end of the show. And it, it can be it can be a, a positive take, a negative take, wherever you want to go with this. And it's six games into the season, so the take is probably going to be wrong. But that's what's fun about it. I guess I'll start. Alperen Shangun is one of the best players on the roster already. Like, he is that good. I really believe it. I think it's obvious to anybody around the team. And it's a matter of of when, not if, he'll start this season. He's clearly better than Daniel Tice. In fact, he's the only other players I would say are, are clearly better than him at this point are Christian Wood and Eric Horn, who we talked about at the top of the show. I might come off as a bit biased, obviously, because I've been so high on this dude. And Jonathan Vega of the Houston Chronicle has not stopped teasing me about it. Like he even did on the last show. Uh, I'm not saying he's Hall of Fame bound. Like, don't get me wrong. But I do think he deserves to start. I do think he's one of the best players on the team already. You can react to that take any way you want. But I do want you to react to it. And I want I want to hear what your take is. I don't disagree with you. I, I think we're seeing him play a lot of minutes already. And... It's, again, I think part of the process for him is getting adjusted to this new league. And so I I would not be surprised that happens at all. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I I can't lie. I don't really have that much of a hot, like, I don't really have a hot take about this team. I think what's I think what's going to happen as the year goes on is that the Rockets are going to really surprise people, though, in terms of they're going to beat some teams that they're not supposed to because too many people are, are counting them out right away because of what we're seeing right now. And I think that because because of the mistakes that they're making right now are very fixable. And this group is super confident in themselves, talking to some of the players. They have not let these losses get to them at all. There's an understanding and a belief internally by these players that they're going to, they know what people are think they are and they want to exceed those expectations. So I think check let's check back in the middle of the season and see where we're at because i think they're going to start putting things together and surprising people that might happen tomorrow like they could very yeah. well they could very well upset the lakers uh they, they were certainly competitive enough last game to actually make it interesting so i i don't doubt you that they might get some surprise win here down the stretch and you know that poise that you talk about i think i credit that to the coaching staff they've been very patient with this group right they've you know they've talked about what they need to do as nba pros they've they've taught them really basic stuff during training camp and they they haven't been like overly critical of them like during like even stylus during these media scrums he hasn't like criticized the team like to a, to an extent that like a, a contending coach would to his team right he's he's understood like i have a young group here they're still learning a lot of stuff 
And I think that's why this, you know, this group hasn't really panicked or, you know, let the losses get to them. It's it's kind of been easier to let that stuff slide off your back when you look at leadership and they're not panicking. Totally. Uh, th- this coaching staff has done a really good job. Steven Silas is certainly a player's first coach, and he has the respect of these guys without a doubt. Uh, he understands. He's been in this league for a very long time now, and he's coached many rookies, many young players. He's seen lots of success. He's seen hard times. He's really seen it all. So I think there's an understanding from these young players that they have a coach who has been through it and understands how to to lead them through this. And um, I just think we have to just take into consideration that, my gosh, there's four four 19-year-olds, a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old. Like, that's a college team, essentially. Like, these guys are learning how to play against the greatest men in the world at this sport. And so it's just going to take a little time, like just give them a chance to get acclimated, to get familiar with this game because it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to take a lot of growing pains. If you're a Rockets fan tuning into this, uh, to this team every night, like you're going to have to suffer through some losses, but like you're, I, I, I think what you need to pay attention to when you're watching these games is not the end score. It's the stuff that happens within the games, the flashes that I talked about with Jalen Green earlier, the really interesting plays you see with Shengun and Christian Wood, like all the little stuff that, you know, these young players are starting to put it together and, you know, have these exciting moments. That's what you need to watch for if you're a Rockets fan. Um, yeah, um, thank you so much for coming on the show, Kaylee. Like, re- it was really fun talking basketball for you with you for the first time. Um, be sure to follow along with their work at AT&T Sports Network. Where can we find you on social media, Kaylee? So my social media handles are just my name at Kaylee Griffin, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and we have all of our other game content on AT&T Sports and Southwest Instagram and Twitter as well. So those are where you usually can find me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. I'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you for having me.